0: We are talking about Jesus being more than enough, and we're looking at a passage in Luke chapter 9, and it is a a very popular passage, one that most people are aware of or have heard of in some capacity. We know, uh, whether we've been in church for a long time or, you know, whether we just kind of hear about uh, these things from time to time, uh, the story of Jesus Feeding the multitude, we've probably heard that at some some point. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. Because as we look at this passage, it is more than Jesus just giving food to people who needed food. Nothing that happens in the Gospels or nothing that we see Jesus doing or saying is by accident or unintentional. Nothing is just kind of haphazard. Everything is very... uh, Necessary and reflects some truth that impacts the lives of people. And that's what we're going to see this morning. Jesus feeds the people. And as we look at this account where Jesus is feeding the people, we find and discover that for us, he is more than enough. I tell you what, we need that in this world today. Uh, And I'm not just talking about unbelievers, I'm talking about us as believers. We need to understand or to make applicable to our lives or to at least reflect it that I believe in Jesus and he is more than enough for me. So I'll come back to that in a moment too. John chapter, I mean Luke chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9 and follow along with me. If, if you don't have your Bibles, you can just listen. That's fine. So it says in verse 12, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there were about five thousand men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50, and they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. So that's the account of Jesus feeding the people. And I want to look at several points that rise out of the text, beginning with this one in verse 12. Be spiritually responsible. Be spiritually responsible. So here it is. Jesus is teaching the people. They have come from all around to hear him. And it is getting late in the day, and the disciples are concerned. What are we going to do with all these people? So just kind of send them away and so they can get the food that they needed. Now, it's kind of interesting because the disciples are really good at this. Notice what they say: "Send the multitude away." And it sounds pretty reasonable, right? We can't feed them, so send them away so that they can get whatever they need, uh, you know, from the surrounding place. And they're just really good at doing this. It's not the first time that the disciples are just kind of shooing people away. Shoo! Go! Go! You know, get out of here. In uh, Matthew chapter fifteen, verse twenty-three. There was this Syrophoenician woman who needed help with respect to her daughter, and the disciples said, send her away. And then there were all those children, right? I mean, this this account is in several of the Gospels here. The children came to Jesus. And when uh, the parents are bringing the children to Jesus, what did the disciples do? Send them away. They rebuked them. Go away. Don't bother him anymore. Just just go away. And then uh, there was this man in the Gospel of John And he's actually casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And so the disciples find out about this. And this guy who's casting out demons, he's not one of the disciples. He's somebody else. And so John comes to report to Jesus. And he says, Master, we found this guy casting out demons in your name, but he wasn't a disciple, so we told him to stop doing it. And Jesus, of course, rebuked them for for saying that. But this is the disciples to send, this is the disciples, send them away. And I tell you what, a lot of times we're good at that. You know, we're, we're good at, well, you know, I can't do that. You know, just go, go. Uh, you know, I just can't help you right now or find somebody else or, you know, it's just a real bad time for me. And we just have this, this, uh, attitude or this idea that we're too busy or we're too stressed or we have too many burdens and we just don't have what it takes. We just, we're just we drained emotionally. We're drained mentally. We just don't have what it takes in order to help the person next to us with their burdens. I've got my own burdens. More than one. I don't have enough strength to help you with your burdens. Go away. We don't say that. I mean, we're a little more refined than that, I think. I hope, anyways, but, you know, the attitude or the idea of, I can't do it, you know, just go somewhere else, I think is prevalent with us a lot of times. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's just a shame when Christ has called us and gifted us with the gifts of the Spirit, it's a shame that we would kind of squander them sometimes. Now, you know, don't get me wrong, I see a lot of great examples and, and I know in my life and my family's life in particular, you all have been so great and such a blessing to us and just have really helped us carry our burden and, uh, and that is fabulous. And so I, I don't mean to just kind of uh, lay the weight on us, but nevertheless, there is still the responsibility that we have to take what God has given to us to take what Jesus has given to us, to take what the Spirit of God is working in us and to use it to bless the people and their lives around us. That is what we're called to do. It is easier not to deal with them than it is to take the time and the effort and the resources to deal with them. It's easier to send them away. And this is what the disciples are doing. And there's a reason for it. I mean, they're being very practical about the whole thing, but nevertheless, they are not excused for it. So when they say send them away to get what they need, Jesus turns it around on them and he makes this pretty startling statement. He says in verse 13, you give them something to eat. Now what's startling about that is not like they it's not like they had food just kind of laying around and all it was it was just a matter of kind of collecting it and passing it around. It wasn't like that at all. There wasn't the food laying around. There was just the five loaves and the two fish. And so Jesus, when he says, you give them something to eat, you know, that I can just, you know, they're kind of looking around and maybe scratching their head. What is he talking about? What does he expect us to do? We can't do this. This is impossible. And, and uh, when Jesus is saying, you give them something to eat, he's aware He's aware it's impossible for them. You know, he's not just kind of like uh, ignorant of what's happening. He knows exactly what the situation is like. And yet he turns it back to them and he says, you give them something to eat. Now, they are left standing there with the inability to fulfill what Jesus has said. They, They can't do it. And they are confronted with this. And it's kind of remarkable, because they'll go on and they'll make some excuses here. It's kind of remarkable, because they have seen something, a lot of something, pretty recently. And Jesus has done a whole lot of miracles all around them. They have been seeing it over and over again. They would have also experienced Jesus' turning the water to wine. You remember that? They were at the wedding celebration and they ran out of wine and uh, they came to Jesus and Jesus turned water into wine, thus, you know, making more wine. They would have seen his provision. Not only that, but we just saw at the beginning of this chapter where, and I preached on it last week, Jesus sent them out, right? He sent them out and he said, I want you to cast out the demons, heal the sick, and proclaim the good news. And they come back and they had preached the gospel everywhere. Look at verse 6. This is Luke 9, 6. So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They had just experienced God's miraculous power working through them. And yet, they're kind of forgetting here. And isn't that like us? Just to kind of, you know, God does something for us in the past. And, and if I were to ask you to raise your hand, you know, each one of us could probably raise our hand. Yeah, God, you know, he really helped me through this, and he really helped me through that. And he really did this for me, and he really did that for me. And we can remember all of the things that he do, had, has done for us in the past. But here we are facing a new trouble, facing a new trial in our life. And when we're facing these trials and these tribulations and these temptations, they're right before us, we tend to forget what God has done for us in the past. And Jesus, by turning back to the disciples and saying to them, you give them something to eat, he is trying to cause them to remember, look, I have already done all of these things, and I have worked through you in all of these ways and now keep on going. Don't, don't forget about it. Just keep on going and doing it some more. You feed them. And so he wants them to trust him and he wants them to take responsibility. And here I'm saying spiritual responsibility for the lives of the people that are around us. Take spiritual responsibility. And so here it is. He speaks to us in this. We have a Savior and we have a Lord. Amen. He has come to our lives. He has touched us. He has forgiven us of our sins. And yet we have these burdens and we have troubles. All of us. I mean, we're all facing them. We have these ongoing troubles and things that we have to face and deal with. And God has called the rest of us to kind of come along, along, you know, each other and help each other out in Jesus' name. So let's do that. That's what we are called to do. He is our Savior and our Lord, and He wants, this to, wants us to trust in Him and to continue to go forward in His name, taking the responsibility and carrying the burdens that we each have. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, let me just remind you of this great promise that He gives to us here. He says, ask and it will be you know the, the verses, right? Ask and it will be given you. Oh, I like that. There was a kid there. She, you did, right? What the, yeah, she did. I heard you all the way up here. That was fantastic. All right. Ask and it will be given you. Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks... It will be open. What a great promise he has given us. Amen? And there it is before us. We are to take all of these things before him, take responsibility, go forward in the name of Jesus, and let us help one another. There is a fellowship of believers. That's the church. That's us. It is a fellowship. We are to come together. We are to fellowship with one another, and that's not just, you know, I mean, hugging, hugging each other and shaking each other's hands and smiling to one another. Uh, how many of you like the greeting time all right if nobody raised their hands i'm raising my hand and if it and since i'm the pastor we're going to keep on doing greeting time i love greeting time okay it is a it is a fellowship where we share our our love for one another and our companionship with one another and so we have this fellowship of believers, but it is more than that. It is where we come close to each other, and we talk with each other, and we share with one another, and, and uh, we let one another know that we, what we're going through and what we're dealing with, and we have been given spiritual gifts by the Spirit of God in order to use those gifts for the profit of the church. And so that's all of us. That's our, that's our duty. That's our responsibility. That's our responsibility. And so let us be spiritually responsible. Let us take up what he has given to us and let us share it with those that are around us. Let us not send people away anymore. Let us share with one another. So that's our first point. The second point is this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So after the command, Jesus says, you you give them something to eat, they start to just kind of like look around, you know, How are we supposed to do this? Instead of looking to Jesus, to keep looking on him. They became very practical in their approach. He says, we don't have any more than five loaves and two fish unless we go buy food for all of these people. There was about 5,000 men. Now, that's a lot. You know, we might have 100 here, so just kind of multiply that by a whole lot, and you get all the people that they were supposed to feed at that time. As a matter of fact, they were told to divide them into groups of 50, so that would mean that you guys would be in one group, and you guys would be in another group, roughly speaking. You know, our church here would be two of these groups that made up the 5,000 men, and of course there were women and children that were present as well. So they're kind of looking around at all the people, and uh, you know, we only have five loaves, and two fish, and how are we going to buy food for all of these people? Uh, I mean, going, going around themselves to get The food and to buy that would take some time too you know if they had to go to the villages buy the food and bring it all back and then you know feed the people as they're coming back that would just be a long process so they're kind of going through all of this in their mind they look at the need they look at the crowd and they forget to look at jesus and the limitless resources of heaven and this is where we want to remember in all of the things that we face in everything that we face that we do not have the strength, we do not have the resources on our own to handle it. We don't. It doesn't matter if you're a super Christian or if you're a brand new Christian or if you're not a Christian at all. It doesn't matter. None of us have the resources to meet all of the needs that we have. Our help is from the Lord. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking to Him. Yes, always look to Jesus. Our sufficiency is found in Him. Now, I'm going to go through a series of verses here. I'm not putting them up on the screen, so just kind of listen, make a note, write them down, especially if there's one that I'm reading that stands out to you. Take these verses to heart and, uh, and put them into practice in your life. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 is the first one. 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says... Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So in other words, don't look at yourself and think that you are sufficient in and of yourself. Our sufficiency is from God always. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. The next one, Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Therefore, do not worry, Because I think a lot of us struggle with worry and anxiety and stress. Uh, A lot of us are stressed out. A lot of us are tired and we've been working too hard and we're just worrying about what's going to happen next and all of that. Do not worry. He knows what's going on. He knows what we need. Seek Him first and all these things will be given to you. What a great verse. Don't worry about tomorrow. He will take care of at all. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. That's Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. And the last one here, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, and he said to me. Now this is, this is Paul. He's asked, he's asked the Lord. He's asked Jesus to take the thorn out of his flesh. He's, he's struggling with something. We don't know exactly what that might be, but he's struggling with something. He's having trouble with it, and he goes to the Lord, and he asks the Lord three times to take it away from him. And this is the Lord's response. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's 2 Corinthians 12.9. What a great verse that is. God's grace is always sufficient for us, no matter what it is that we're, look, we're going through. His grace is sufficient. Not only that, but he says that when we are weak, his strength is perfected in us. So again, you know, this is the kind of thing, am I going to face my troubles by myself in my own strength, or am I going to allow the strength of Christ to work through me? And that's all the difference in the world. When I am weak, then I am strong. His power rests upon me when I am weak. And his grace is always sufficient. So, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is our deliverer. Our third point this morning, rejoice in the Lord's provision. Rejoice in the Lord's provision. Now, this is pretty remarkable here. This is pretty remarkable. When God created the Garden of Eden, uh, and he put Adam and Eve in it, he basically said, you know, you can eat anything you want. Just go help yourself. And there was no shortage. There was no lack of supply. They had all of the food they needed. Much like us following the service, we're going to have all the food we ever needed, at least for our lunchtime, right? I know you guys can't wait for lunchtime and... You probably already planned where you're going to go eat or what you're going to have for lunch. But uh, this, is, this is how God made things in the Garden of Eden. They had everything that they needed. But then they sinned. You remember that? They sinned. And the curse against Adam was really a curse against the ground. And he says, it's going to produce thorns and thistles for you now. In the sweat of your brow, you will get the food that you need. And so there's this shortage of food. There's this shortage of provision. There's this lack of supply that we have to contend with. And in order to overcome, many of us, you know, we have to work 40 hours a week or we go to these jobs that we love so much, right? We love our jobs so much. We got to put all this effort into them and we spend all of our time there so that we can earn some money, so that we can buy the food and the clothing and the shelter that we need. And so it's a constant It is a constant effort, it requires constant work on our part in order to bring these resources in that we need because of the curse. But Jesus has come after the curse, after Adam and Eve's failure. Jesus has come and he has come to overcome, to overturn, to make better for us the curse. And so here, the people are faced, or the disciples are faced with this huge need, this, this large need of provision to feed these people, many people. And they don't have the resources on their own to give the people the food that they need. But Jesus has overcome the curse, and he is able to provide for them the food that they need. And so... He multiplies the bread. It is no problem for him to do this. And he shows the disciples and he demonstrates to the people that Jesus has overcome the curse of sin. And this is what the gospel is all about. Um, The gospel is about Jesus delivering us from our sin. All people are sinful and separated from God. There is no way to reconcile ourselves to God on our own. We can't do it. It is impossible for us but Jesus has overcome. And as we believe in Jesus and confess our sins and turn our lives over to Him, our sins are forgiven and our relationship with God is restored. And this is why we make such a big deal of the gospel here. It is about getting right with God and having your life turned around by His forgiveness. He has overcome the curse of sin. And it is often depicted in terms of food. So in John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So here these people had a physical need, and Jesus, by providing for their physical need, is showing and demonstrating that he also provides for the spiritual need that they have. Sin separates us from God, but Jesus is the bread of life, and he gives us what we need in order to never hunger and never thirst again. In John 6, 48, just a few verses later, he says it again, I am the bread of life. And so we look at this and we realize that man cannot live by physical bread alone, but we must live our lives by the provision that comes to us through Jesus Christ. In Luke 4, 4, he says, it is written, this is in response to his temptation by the devil. Jesus being tempted by the devil, he responds, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so we come to Jesus for deliverance. Now, this last part here, enjoy God's generosity. And, and this is something amazing. The, the people, there's 5,000 plus, and they are They eat until they are filled. They eat until they are satisfied. And not only that, but there was extra food left over. Now, God didn't make a mistake there. He knew exactly how much food was needed in order to feed the people. He knew what they you know, could get by with until they could go you know, to the town and you know, take care of whatever it is that they needed. He knew exactly how much food was needed but when he provides for them, he provides to the point that they are satisfied, they are filled, and there's 12 baskets left over. Now, you know, I don't know how, how well you like leftovers, or whether or not you open your refrigerator and pull out some of yesterday's food in order to you know, eat it today. I don't know if that's you, or if you just have to have new fresh food food all the time. I don't know, but... There's twelve baskets left over, and I don't think that that's an accident. He is showing the disciples; he is trying to teach the disciples a lesson, and they each have their own basket. I think left over at the end, and this reflects God's generosity. Again, he's not just provide; he's not providing just enough. He is providing abundantly. He is providing more than they need, and this is what he does for us. You know, I think a lot of times we go to God and. You know, God, just, just do this. All I need is this. And, and we're asking in, term, in small terms because we don't want to be a burden to God. You know, it's like if I ask for too much, then there's no way He's going to give it to me. You know, I think we think that way sometimes. If, I, if I, I'll just ask for enough. I'll ask for a reasonable request. It'll be reasonable. It'll make sense. It'll be just, just enough to get me by. When God is not in the just getting me by mode or mentality he is in the abundance he is in the pouring out life abundantly mentality this is what he does for us and so i want to read some verses here and again do the same thing as before if one of these verses just kind of strikes you if the lord impresses it upon you just make a note of it so you can look it up and write it down later and remember it later In John chapter 10 verse 10 it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that they might have life. Now that's just getting by right there. I have come that they might have life, but then there's more, and that they might have it more abundantly. That is the super giving God that we serve. He is a super giving God He gives us not only life, just life to get by, He gives us a life that is more abundant. And this is is why I say, and I'm guilty of this too, that as Christians we should not be walking around with our heads hung low. Oh, woe is me, I'm barely making it by. That's not how we should be living. We should be living with our heads lifted up, rejoicing in the abundance that God has given us. And I'm not just talking this is this is not a uh, be rich and be healthy message. This is he gives us everything that we need to live this life for the glory of God and more. He has come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. That's John 10:10. 10, 10. The next verse Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense that's Adam Death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Now, now, here's the great thing about what Jesus has done when we consider our sinfulness. Because a lot of us in here, I know, are carrying a burden of guilt for sins that we have committed in life. And again, we think, I'm not worthy to go ask God for anything. He's not going to hear me. I just mess up over and over again. I'm just struggling with this repeatedly. And I just always ask for forgiveness. And we just kind of carry this guilt around. But when Jesus Christ comes and forgives us, He takes our sin and He throws it away. Far away. He casts it into the depth of the sea and it goes out of sight. Never to come up again. This is what Jesus does. There is an abundance of grace that comes to us. There is forgiveness for the sins that we have committed. An abundance of grace for the forgiveness of sins. So no longer be burdened by the guilt of sin. Rejoice in the grace that comes to you through Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. And go forward and fight the good fight for another day. Romans 5, 17. The next one, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, there's a lot of alls in that verse, may have an abundance for every good work. He wants us to do good works. He wants us to help one another. He wants us to do these things to serve Him in this way. And He gives us an abundance so that we have Always, let me read it again, there's a lot of alls in here. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, isn't that great? May have an abundance for every good work. So let us go forth in the name of Jesus, and let us give freely what has been freely given to us. That's Second Corinthians 9, 8. And then the last verse this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. There is nothing in your life that he cannot forgive. There is no burden that he cannot carry away. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus, for he cares for you. This morning as we come to our final song, Ben, if you will come up here. If you are dealing with some of these things, if you are struggling with some of these things, if you are carrying a burden, if there's the guilt of sin, or if there's anything that you need in your life, come to Jesus. He is more than enough for you. Turn it over to Jesus. Allow him to work in your heart and in your life by his abundant grace. Let's stand and worship one more time. Together.